If you need a, an outline of the sermon today, please raise your hand, Brother Steve. We'll be sure to get you one. So we want everyone to have an outline of the sermon today. Please raise your hand, and he will get one. one we want to read one verse of Scripture that's found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege, the privilege and the opportunity that we have to read your word, to listen to your word, to meditate upon your word, and to receive it in our, in our hearts, and also to be doers of the word. As we plant seed today, we ask that it would be fruitful. Help us not to be so distracted that we fail to Allow this word to find a lodging place, a fruitful place in our hearts. Meet every need in this sanctuary tonight, today, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Notice your outline. The gospel is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about the gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As most of you know, we have been on the subject of Mark, we talked about and we looked at the man Mark himself. By the way, if you have a, Google Mark, if you haven't studied it, look at this man's life. There were some glitches in his life, but yet Mark righted his wrong and, and, and God, though he was not one of the 12 disciples or apostles, God certainly used him to write the first, the first book in the New Testament. I know it's not first listed, but it's the first book. In fact, some believe that Matthew and maybe even Luke uh, garnished some of their, their writings from uh, Mark himself. Mark, of course, was a, a, a type or was a follower of the St. Peter. And he wrote down many things that St. Peter told him to do. Mark wrote Mark because he wanted to reach out to the Gentiles. He wanted to get the gospel exposed to outsiders. And this is one of the main reasons that I believe the Lord has led us to talk about Mark is because we as Bethel members and attenders and we as Christians and citizens of Durham, North Carolina, we want to get the gospel not just to the insiders but the outsiders. Someone said something while, I, while we're in Birmingham. I don't want to read it. Listen to this statement. You have, you have to meet people where they are to take them where you want them to be and where they need to be. And that's what Mark was doing. He was writing to meet the Gentiles and the Romans where they were so he could take them to where he wanted them to be. And in our effort and in our minister of evangelism, of reaching the unsaved and the unreached, is for us to take people or meet people where they are. I don't like where some people are. I'll never forget when I cut my first album, album I went down to 
the coast so because it was it, it was titled walking to that beautiful sunset well we went down to the coast and and we uh, and i don't think he'd mind me mentioning his name sam gray if you ever at some of the malls especially over in raleigh his business is in raleigh sam gray uh was a photographer he went down with us and he took a picture of the rising sun and it looked like the setting sun but it was a beautiful picture and we used that on our first album. It was an album, not a CD, not an 8-track, or not even a, a, a tape. It was an album. And we sat there in the restaurant, and that was a time when I would not sit with you if you were drinking alcohol. And we sat there with them drinking their alcohol, and we said nothing, but we witnessed and ministered to them. Uh, I'm not going to say they were not saved, but Sam Gray and his wife went on to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and became a great witness for the Lord. We have to meet people where they are that we can bring them to where we want them to be. And we have to understand their language. But anyway, let me read it. The gospel is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. The gospel is what? Good news. Let me say it again. The gospel is good news. From God to man, from heaven to earth, from the infinitely holy to the lowest, I love this, depths of human wretchedness and sin. It was not not thought of by man. The gospel started way back in the garden or even before in the mind and heart of God because he wanted to reach out to people where they are that he might bring them to where he wanted them to be. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is a voice from heaven breaking through the silence or discord of our natural condition. It is good news in relation, listen to this, It is good news in relation to our sins, in relation to salvation, and in relation to what? Eternity. You don't play around with your life and and relationships when it comes to eternity. We're just here just a short while. Just a short while. I noticed they said that, what, Henry Kissinger, they were talking about him this week. He's been around forever, it seems like. 91, 90, 91, somewhere in there. You can live to be 91, 100. George Beverly Shea was well into his 90s when he, he, was, he was sailing in his boat. But it doesn't matter how long we live. The important thing, it's very, very short compared to eternity. And the gospel has and deals with Eternity, it remedies the greatest evils and supplies the deepest wants of man. That was a statement by J.A. Alexandra. The gospel is the beginning. Now, I want to go through these. I want you to follow me. I want you to think. Don't, Don't let your mind think about fried chicken after the service. Let's believe God as he speaks to us today. But as we go through these few steps... I want you to ask yourself, has the gospel began in you? Is it in you? Is it a reality in you? Has it become a reality, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? The beginning of a gospel spirit, 
Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That gospel spirit is self-denial. I know we don't hear a lot about it today. We don't hear a lot about taking up the cross. Besides, if we were, you'd have a cushion on that scooter. I need a thicker cushion. It wears on your knee. But we could carry a cross. Brother Dean carries a cross sometime. We'd carry our cross if we had it well cushioned. Sometimes it's got splinters in it. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes that cross is not easy. But we speak in here. The beginning of the gospel spirit not only is self-denial, it is nonconformity to the world. Listen at, listen at Romans chapter 12. I want to read verses two, 1 and 2. Paul writing to the church at Rome. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? One says, I won't be there Wednesday night, but I'll be there in spirit. We want your body. (laughs) Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the NIV says there, it's great reading with NIV, talks about worship, reasonable worship. Worship unto the Lord as we were doing this morning. But it it should be worship not only on Sunday morning, but Monday morning, Saturday night, and whenever. Which is your reasonable service. And then he says something that's very, very, it's practical, very dynamic. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So I say Amen. Be transformed, changed. It's like the worm in the cocoon being transformed from that worm into a beautiful butterfly. That's what that word means, transformed, changed. Our vision statement, transforming lives through Christ. Great statement. And Paul is saying to the church here at Rome, And saying to you and I today, over 2,000 years later, I, God, the word says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Someone says, I'm transformed in my behavior. I I don't commit adultery. I don't commit fornication. I don't, I don't do all of the things that we would look at as behavior, uh, disobedience to God. I'm transformed in my behavior. We should also be transformed in, my, in our minds because that's where our behavior comes from. Or that's the reason we behave like we do because of what's in the mind. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you don't have to let him build a nest in your hair. You don't have to let that thought stay there. Guys, listen to me. You can be on the internet or you can be wherever. And the devil will have a thought pop in your mind if you're not careful because of what you saw or see. And ladies too, it's important that transformation takes, takes place in the, our behavior. 
But it's also important that God change our mind, clean out our mind, and we think holy thoughts. We be what? Spiritually minded and certainly not given into carnality and carnally minded. It's important. One of the things I've learned over the years is Romans chapter 8. If there's any chapter that I love, it's Romans chapter 8. You go into Romans 7, it talks about struggles. It talks about the struggle that we have uh, with the flesh. You have, tr- you have struggle with the flesh? Yeah. We belong to a church down in Sampson County, and this guy, he, we had a lot of testimonies back then, and he'd get up and he'd say, hey, almost every time he testified, I want you to know, he's a big fella, but he was real quiet spoken. He said, I want you to know that my wife and I have never had an argument. I learned after we left and came to Durham, he and his wife separated. We need to face what's, what's, what's tempting us. We need to face what's there. We need to realize this, this is the, the flesh, the world, these ideas that, that Satan pops and puts in your mind. It needs to be dealt with. Be not conformed to this world, not only in our behavior, but in our minds, in our attitudes. I know people, boy, they wouldn't do anything. Their, their life is right straight down the barrel. They have terrible attitudes. You never met one of those, have you? So the beginning of the, of the gospel spirit. Second of all, the beginning of the gospel doctrines, the way we should live. The gospel ordinances. I love this verse, and I want you to read it with me. It's found in Luke 24, 46, and 47. Then he said, To them, who? Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that what? Repentance and remission, forgiveness. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Guess what? Now, we don't hear a lot about repentance today, getting your life straightened up, being godly sorry, weeping before God. We shake the preacher's hand, we sign a note, and we're out the door, and our lifestyle doesn't change. I'm talking about a change of mind, a change of heart. Did you know when, when John, and I'll get to him next Sunday, I love the study of John. You want to read something wonderful? You want to read, you want to read about a character? <laughs> read John. Read about John. But when John came on the scene, what did he preach? Repentance. When Jesus came on the scene, what did he preach? Repentance. He's leaving his disciples here in the 24th chapter of Luke. And what is his last word? Practically. Repentance. And the church don't want to preach repentance today? Are we off off base when we preach repentance? No. No. I'm not talking about going out and grabbing somebody by the collar and looking in their eyes and saying, you got to repent or you're going to go to hell. I'm not talking about that. That's not too good news, is it? 
You like the predestinations. You're glad that's over with. But repentance, Jesus is saying here, remission of sin upon a true repentance. Talking about the doctrine and ordinance of God. Look at number two, under number two. Christ. I, I, oh, God. I sat there while we were worshiping. I said, God, reveal Jesus to me. Paul, after serving the Lord and after writing books, he said, that I might know him. I went through an awful struggle mentally some years ago. Carol and I first got married. It was a struggle. I don't know whether you're ever tempted mentally or not. But I was I was I was so tempted. And sometimes about the only thing I could do was and Carol knew my problem and I could reach out and take her by the hand and I felt better. But let me tell you what let me tell you what sustains me. Not only then, but in all that I've been through, it's this one thing. Not religion, but the very preeminence of Jesus Christ. I knew Jesus. Listen, and and, and no matter how the devil tried me and tempted me and said, I knew one thing, that Jesus loved me. Notice what it says. He's not, only, not only his preeminence, but his power and his promises. You want to know what the Bible is about? You want to know who the author is? Jesus Christ is the author, and it's about Jesus Christ. And that's the thing people don't want to talk about today. They'll talk about, oh, I have faith. We're talking about God Because God could be anything or any God. But the fundamental foundation of what you and I believe totally rests on Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that can be laid. Forgive me if I get a little excited, but I get excited about Jesus the remission of sin upon true repentance, Christ in his preeminence, his power, and his promises. You know what the greatest wonder of heaven is? Jesus. Somebody says, I want to see the streets of gold. Yes, I do too. I want to see the gates of peril. Yes, I do too. I want to see my loved ones that's gone on before us. Yes, I do too. But let me tell you who I want to see. Let me tell you the, the beauty of heaven is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. The gospel spirit, the gospel doctrine and ordinances. And the beginning of the end of the old, wonderful old. <laughs> John. <laughs> I, want to, I want to talk about John so much. But I, I got to wait till next. 
I'm going to say, make this statement about John that I love this statement and I've used it over the years. John espoused a nation to its lover and stepped aside. Let's say it again. John espoused a, a nation to its lover and he was willing to step aside. One of the things about John and about the people back then that had a struggle was that John's clothing and his, 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 his diet, <laughs> he didn't come out of the metropolis. He didn't come out of a big city. He didn't come out of the streets of, of Jerusalem. He came out of the desert. And for 400 years, the earth had been silent when it come to anything about much about God. But stepping out, wearing camel's hair and eating locust and wild honey, was a voice. <laughs> he could have marched an army. Did you know the Bible says they, they came out not only from Jerusalem, but all around to hear him. Some struggled with it because of who it was and the way he was dressed. But you know the gospel, I may have had had two men to lift me on this platform today. But the treasure on the inside is what's important. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that's important. And you can wear, wear camel hair and eat locusts and wild honey and come in on a scooter. But let me tell you, that doesn't change God because God's word is so real. Somebody says, I can't, I don't like this guy. He, he don't preach like I want him to. He don't act like I want him to. Well, sometimes, and there's, there's sometimes I struggle with the presenter. Whether it's a teacher or maybe, but maybe God wants us to look through all that stuff and find him. We all have our styles. That's good. I got to move on. The beginning of the end of the wonderful law for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I, I, I want to read Romans 10, 1 through 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, Paul writing to the church at Rome, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ, for Christ is the end of the law. <laughs> for righteousness to everyone who believes. Notice what he said in Matthew 5. Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Wow. That may be hard to understand, <coughs> but Jesus Christ was the end of a great thing, the law, and the beginning of a new covenant before God. 
Christ is the law's fulfillment. There is now a new law or covenant governing God's people today. I love Jeremiah. In fact, it's almost word for word found in Hebrews chapter 8. But listen to this great weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judea. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. How does God do it? You see, the law tried to force man to live right. The pressure was from the outside in. And that's not easy sometimes. Because we fall off. We fall short. But you see what Jesus Christ did when he came, he took all that law, fulfilled all that law in himself and he took that and he placed it on the inside and now my obedience is not forced to me on me from the outside but it is challenging and urging and encouraging me to live that life from the inside. Aren't you glad for the gospel? I, I just think it's wonderful to be able to be compelled, my attitude and everything, compelled from the inside. God established a new covenant relationship with his people based not only compelling force from the outside, or without rather, but on an impelling power from within. Grace and mercy characterize the new covenant. Grace and mercy. You see, the problem with the law dealt with... The problem with man and us is that we struggle with guilt. If I would ask you today, have you, have you had a sense of guilt this week? And the other big problem with man is rebellion. And Jesus Christ, because you heard him say here, I was a father to them. I brought them out of Egypt, but they disobeyed me. They walked away from me, even as a father. They rebelled against God. But Jesus deals, not only does he deal with guilt, but he deals with rebellion. Somebody say hallelujah. I got to hurry. Number four, the last, the beginning of a continued endeavor to reproduce the gospel in our lives. You see, Jesus taught his disciples hands on for three years. We're not going to get people to come and know Jesus Christ unless, unless there's hands-on, that personal touch. Billy Graham has them walking the aisles by the thousands. When I first started preaching, it was nothing for me to finish my sermon and invite people to the altar, and they came, and they came, and they came. Literally, some people would run to the altar 
That day's over. See, Brother Don, why don't you have people raise their hands, stand to their feet, and walk down that that aisle personally by themselves? It won't happen. But I'll tell you what will happen. Standing next to the Coke machine when there's a heart that's, that's hurting, you're able to plant some seed in that heart one-on-one. I walked into the auditorium Thursday night and I knew when it happened, I heard it and I felt it. The bottom of my foot, I went down. They carried us, Carol and I got a, hopped a taxi and we went to the, the University of Alabama Hospital. And we sat there for five hours. Now, they had us in and out. When we started to believe, we witnessed to those people, to the receptionist, Jewel was her name. We witnessed to Jewel. And we witnessed to the nurse that checked me in, got my blood pressure. When we got ready to leave, I was sitting in a wheelchair. Those two ladies were standing there. One of them, tears running down her her face. The other one with her hand on my back. And we had the privilege to witness to those two people. And in that, in that, listen to this, in that emergency room with all the pain that I had endured and suffered, in that emergency room, I began to speak in tongues. That's how powerful the Spirit of God was in that room. Now, no one heard me. I didn't frighten anyone. But the power of God was in that room. Let me tell you. The gospel that I have talked about, it's great, but it doesn't do us any good unless we reach out to others and get it to them. Let them know about it. I've had two people, one to go to Romania and yesterday one to go to France. You know how many believers there are in France? You know what, you know what percentage of the population of France are believers? 1%. God is placing it on people's hearts to get the gospel out, whether it's in Romania, and thank God, whether it's in France, India, wherever it is. God wants us to be able to take this, this treasure, the preeminence of Christ. He wants us to take all of this outside of these four walls. Paul established a pattern for the transmission of the gospel. Listen to 2 Timothy 2. And the things that you have heard. What have you heard this morning? You heard it? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit to thee, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, the goal, the goal, our vision, 
is to transmit this to others. Reproduce what's in our hearts. Listen, there's not probably one person here today that if we had an opportunity to give time for every person that you couldn't stand and, and relate what Christ has done in your life and is doing in your life and how that you're so excited about it. Now, we're more excited at times than other times. But you and I both know it's the greatest thing ever happened to us. It's better than the best ride at Disneyland. It's better than going and getting a two-scoop ice cream cone of sugar-free ice cream at Goodberries. I love Goodberries. They're expensive, but they have good ice cream. It's better than hearing it's a boy. It's a girl. My wife and I got married at the old Jewish synagogue. It was raining cats. I mean, it was bad weather. But I got this picture of Carol. She's getting in the car. Oh, she's so pretty. Janet Jane, she's still pretty. This big smile. You can put all of these things together if you could. And it doesn't compare with knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know what's sad? And I'm trying to hush. My time is gone. Brother Danny, come and pull my coattail. Come on. (laughs) You know what's so sad? Is that thousands and millions of people will go to church. And that's about it. And know very little about the preeminence of Jesus. Know very little of his power. Know very little and receive very little of his divine, powerful promises. Father, my time is up. But Lord, your time is not. Help us not to get so carried away with life until we we really, really, really fail to experience your preeminence, your life in us. Father, Jesus, you said you'd come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God, we thank you. We thank you today for that life. May the gospel, may your gospel be in all of us, but help us to realize there's no beginning of the gospel that can be true and effective unless it leads to a spiritual consummation. Help it to be a reality. May there not be one person leave this building today that the gospel, knowing Jesus Christ, Maybe not understanding it at all, but knowing his life, death, resurrection, life. May it come to maturity in us today.